good, everyone. Welcome to Note to Scene, a weekly podcast that discusses the latest news in the scene and a retrospective deep dive on the nostalgia that we all grew up with. So this week we got news from a data member, Asking Alexandria, Neck Deep, All Time Low, and August Burns Red, and a deep dive unpacking the scene's most underrated band of all time, Enter Shikari. So a data member released a new song called Mind Reader. It's from their upcoming album, You're Welcome, which with this song is unofficially the second time this album has been delayed. I mean, you can kind of count three times, but it was originally supposed to come out in November. It's just been pretty much a mess, and then the virus even delayed things more. But we don't have, we still don't have an official release date at this point. This is the third single from the album following uh, Degenerates and Resentment. Degenerates, just to give a recap for everyone, was a super shitty attempt for a data member to, to be 21 pilots and tap into that world. Obviously, didn't work. Song completely flopped, didn't get any momentum at radio. It, it was just a bad move all around. Resentment was a bit of a return to heavy a day to remember but it was way too middle of the road you know they threw some electronics over kind of a classic a day to remember chug and jeremy's kind of pissed off low ends that we've all grown to love over the years it was fun to hear the band in a semi-heavy environment again but it was way too middle of the road and didn't bring much new to the table it's sitting at 21 at rock radio right now and it at least over the bad vibration cycle, this is right around where a day to remember have lost all their momentum when it comes to singles. It just feels like they can't break inside the top 20, and if they get to 19 or 18, it really, really tends to stall out from there. They've, they haven't really gotten anywhere near the top 10. So now we're at Mind Reader, and this song also doesn't bring anything new to the table. But if the band wants to pivot to the alt-rock world, this is how they attempt to do it. It's it. This song is Degenerates, but with an, a, a day to remember edge. Now, will it work? Honestly, probably not. The math is definitely right on this song, but that's not enough to make it special. There is absolutely no spark here. Now, I'm all for moving towards radio. Please, please, please attempt to make your band bigger. But if you're going to do it, you have to have to bring more to the table than this song. So it did peak at number 10 on the YouTube trending chart this week. It had 175,000 views in the first 24 hours. But for context, the last falling in reverse single trended inside the top five on YouTube. The Mind Reader did 149,000 streams in the first 24 hours on Spotify. So these aren't massive numbers. Back in the day, you'd have the scenes A-listers and A-plus listers shoot to a million in the first 24 hours, no problem. So the the, the foundation and the support system that these bands have is nothing compared to what they used to. So I'm at a 6.9 out of 10 on Mind Reader, and my concern for this album and the future of A Day to Remember, as far as their growth goes, continues to grow. Moving on, we got a new Asking Alexandria song this week called Down to Hell. This is the fourth single off their upcoming album, Like a House on Fire, which is due out May 15th. Now, anyone who has heard any of these singles off the album so far knows that this record is going to be a pretty big departure in sound for the band. Um, without unpacking any of the ones that came out before this one, the problem with Down to Hell is that there are a shit ton of problems. This song feels like a cover band doing their best rock and roll impression. We've heard every note of this song 
decades ago, and there isn't one moment that really stands out. Lyrically, it's just another song about Denny admitting that he's a shitty dude. And I'm all for self-awareness. I love to see it. But we've heard this story before, Danny. You have to give us something new. The mix to this song, it's also a bit off. The guitars don't punch like they should. The refrain comes in after a pause to build up some tension. And it just falls flat when it hits. So this is a definite miss for Masking Alexandria. It did 140,000 views on YouTube. So kind of in the same ballpark as A Day to Remember's Mind Reader. But it only did 23,000 thousand streams on Spotify in the first 24, which is really, really low. So I am at a 4.7 out of 10 on Down to Hell. It's boring. It's unimaginative. Asking need to bring a whole hell of a lot more to the table if they want to keep growing because this is not going to do it for them. Next, we got a new Neck Deep song. It's called When You Know. This is the second single off their upcoming album, All Distortions Are Intentional, which is coming out July 24th. Let me just start by saying there's absolutely nothing new being brought to the table here. When You Know is about as run-of-the-mill as pop-punk can get. It's, it's a love song with fairly unimaginative lyrics and a hook that any pop-punk fan has already heard. Now, that being said, this song will get stuck in your head. So if you're looking for something that pushes the envelope, don't bother with this. Or, you know, if you're, if you're looking for something that pushes the envelope, don't bother with 99% of pop punk. But if you're looking for a shallow earworm, give this a spin, and I guarantee you'll be humming it later in the day. And even if we've heard this hook before, however many times with the millions of pop punk bands that the scene has produced over the years, I think there's still something that needs to be said about a band that can actually put together a song and make the math right. We've seen so much, especially over recent years, about bands that just can't get a song together. And it's embarrassing at this point. So at the end of the day, this is a solid listen. It did 155,000 streams in the first three days on YouTube. I didn't track it within the first 24. It did 165,000 on Spotify in the first 48. So if you compare those to Asking and A Day to Remember, they're a little behind both of the bands on YouTube, but they're above Asking on Spotify if you, if you break it down that way. I'm at a 7.2 out of 10 on When You Know. I've gone back to it more than any other song that came out this week. And at this point, like I said, I just appreciate a band that can put out a song that works. And Neck Deep did that. So props to them. Moving on, we got news from All Time Low and August Burns Red. Last week, both of these bands released new albums. Both unfortunately dropped in first week totals. As anyone knows that has listened to the show in the past, and especially in its first iteration when Matt and I were doing it, we really focus on band size, band's momentum, band's trajectory, and both of these are not headed in the right direction, unfortunately. So All Time Low's new album, Wake Up Sunshine, did around 16,200 total units, and that includes streaming. That without streaming, just traditional sales, they did about 10,000, a little over it. So this was roughly a 45% drop from their last album, Last Young Renegade, which did around 30,000 first week. Now, I, I put this on the Note to Scene Twitter, and I saw a couple responses saying that the coronavirus impacted this a lot, and it would have been a lot different without it. And, and for most releases, I would agree with that. But if you unpack All Time Low's campaign and, and the events they had leading up to this album, I don't think this impacted it a whole lot. 
because All Time Low didn't have a lot planned, at least that I'm aware of or was announced before the release of the album that got canceled or got postponed. They didn't have a tour that was canceled or postponed. They're supposed to headline Sad Summerfest, which at this point is still happening in July and August. I'm sure they would have had some pop-up shops or smaller events leading up to the album that week of, but ultimately they got a majority of their push out before the virus hit, so I'm not sure how much bigger their first week would have been if everything was still normal. I think it maybe would have increased a thousand or two thousand, but I think they still end up in the same ballpark that they did. So August Burns Red new album, on the other hand, Guardians, sold 12,400 total units, and that includes streaming as well. This is roughly a 26% drop from their last album, Phantom Anthem, which did around 17,000 total first week. Now, unlike All Time Low, August Burns Red were on tour as direct support for Kill Switch Engage, and they only got a couple dates in before everything got postponed. Those tours still happening, but ABR was going to use that tour to push pre-orders, to push the new music. It was going to be a huge momentum booster for them going into the week of release for the record. And this absolutely hurt them. I'm sure they had a pre-order option at their merch booth. I, it, it's very difficult to say how much a non-virus scenario would have increased their number, numbers but it's definitely safe to say that ABR would have had a bigger total than 12,400 if we were living in a normal environment right now. So a quick few news shout outs before we go into our deep dive. Let Live released demos of their fake history album. It turned 10 last Monday and Jason Butler, their vocalist, did an AMA on Reddit. He had been pretty active posting teasers on his Instagram, and this was just a really, really cool thing for fans, even though we don't get the band back. Uh, let live to to give a brief kind of retrospective dive on them. I'm sure I, I could do a whole episode on this band because especially in summer 2013 when they were on Warp Tour, it really looked like they were going to be the next big band. They weren't following any trends of what was going on in the scene at that point. They weren't a pop punk band. They weren't a metalcore band. They weren't a post-hardcore -hard band. They didn't sound like anyone else. Their stage presence was bar none. No one, no one was on their level at that point. And unfortunately, it all just fell apart eventually. But it was really cool to be able to re revisit these songs in a lot of their original forms. And, you know, demos are demos. They don't sound fantastic. But it was cool to be able to re revisit Let Live in some capacity this week. Also, a band that I've talked about earlier on the show since we've come back in response to a listener question, Static Dress. They're from the UK. They released a new song called Safe Word. And if you miss 2004 to 2006 post-hardcore Screamo, all you have to do is listen to this band. I've showed them to multiple people. Every time they believe that they're an old band that they just didn't hear of from back in the day. But they're a new band. They just released what is officially their third song. They have kind of like an interlude song out too. But this is like their third full-length song. And it sounds like Funeral for a Friend and Emery had like a love child. And it just takes you right back to 2004. So I have a Note to Scene playlist set up on Spotify with all the songs that I talked about before and all the songs that I'm going to talk about for Inner Shikari. This song is on that playlist. You can go subscribe to it. It'll be updated every week with songs that I talk about on the show, stuff that I'm listening to. I've had a lot of people write in asking that we do a playlist. So I put that together this week. It's in the article on the web. Website. And if you want it, just email me, tweet at me, I'll send you a link to it. Also, 
quick news shout out to Falling in Reverse's Popular Monster. The single is at number two on rock radio right now, and it is screaming to number one. So it's super safe to say that Ronnie will have his first number one rock radio single next week. And that is just a whole hell of a lot to unpack in and of itself. But we'll all get to that next week in the next episode. Now, moving on to our retrospective deep dive this week, the most underrated scene band of all time, Enter Shikari. So let's start at the beginning. Technically, Enter Shikari started in 1999 under the name Hybrid, H-Y-B-R-Y-D. According to their Wikipedia page, they were a trio with Rue, Chris, and Rob, and released one EP under that name before adding Rory and changing their name. So at this point, you know, I just just to point this out, that as far as my knowledge goes, Enter Shikari has never had a member change. What you hear on their new album that just came out this past Friday are the same people that you hear on their 2003 demo tapes. That's 17 years, and for the original trio, 21. I mean, you can just name off all the bands that have had so many member changes over the years, and for a lot of them, that was responsible for their demise. It's really unheard of, save for, you know, you got a couple names like the all-time lows and the fallout boys that that were able to to stay together for all these years but i mean for for the original trio for three of them they've been together for 21 years now that's crazy so fast forward to 2006 they have a couple demos and eps under their belt they released three songs mothership okay time for plan b and sorry you're not a winner these were the band's first official singles that they pushed and that, that weren't demos. They pushed them as they were getting ready to really try to launch the band and take it seriously to a new to the next level of where they were at. These songs are all still fan favorites to this day. Sorry You're Not a Winner is obviously the song that broke out and permeated into the nostalgic emo night go-to realm of, of what exists today. And even in that world, the band get completely slighted on playlists for those events all the time. And I, they should be on the same level as, you know, like an all-time low. Like, that song was massive back in the day on MySpace. And it, it's just, it's wild to not hear that this band be brought up in any of these types of conversations. But the song, that song itself, the music video has 17 million views on YouTube. To go into the other one, if the opening keys to Mothership don't instantly take you back to 2006 in like a fucking tsunami wave of nostalgia, you... I'm sorry, but you missed out on so much as a scene kid. Now, in 2007, the band released their first official album called Take to the Skies, and this really is what began their takeover. We had never heard a band like this before. I, sure, post-hardcore had some electronic elements thrown in. You had bands like Under Oath on their Only Chasing Safety who really brought in that poppy electronic element to post-hardcore and to their heavy elements. You had a band like Scary Kids Scaring Kids getting started, and on their first album, you know, When the City Sleeps in Flames, they really brought in that midi electronic chiptune type of sound, but those bands were still very much so lean towards the rock approach. And on the electronic side, you had even less. Bands like Hadouken were just getting off the ground at this point, and even a group like Pendulum, who was really just getting going, 
we didn't have an electronic band that was trying to be heavy and introducing guitars into the fold. But to go back to the scene in 2007 and to lay that landscape, that was the year that Emo gave way to Neon. Emo's dark grip that it had on the scene let go and gave way to all these bright colors and a completely new wave of bands. MySpace fully took over and everything was just a completely new environment. So Shikari took the electronics of dance, house, prototypes of dubstep, drum and bass, all of that world, and then the winding, like if you listen to early Shikari shit, there are legit just crunchy metal riffs in there. And they took the pop melodies and hooks of post-hardcore and they pumped the gas on everything all at once. Now, take this to you to the skies and this is a point that i want to make over the whole conversation so this album as well as everything the band has released since came out on the band's very own label ambush reality they had so much hype off of this first album that they actually joined inner an imprint of interscope records over here in the states called tiny evil and for their next album common dreads they signed a distribution deal with warner to make the album even more accessible in the united states and to dive down this even further, I, th I truly believe that, like, unfortunately, this is a huge reason why I think the band never fully developed over here. The commercial accessibility just never permeated in the States. And, you know, despite MySpace and the Internet and the band's many attempts with North American tours, I think off the Take This to Your Skies cycle, they, they had four tours on that album in North America and they did everything that they could but I think they were be being an independent based band I think they were met with a lot of roadblocks and trying to just get the music out and accessible in places that weren't the UK so like I said Common Dreads was the next album in 2005 and proved that this band aged like a fine wine they took what they knew and they grew it this album is truly one of the most underrated to ever come out of the scene hands down the amount of genres that they combine, like I said, drum and bass, house, trance, dubstep, and post-hardcore, and there are even moments on this album that borderline at metalcore. This is also when they turned their lyrics into a more socio-political commentary on Take to the Skies and their early demos. It was very much like metaphorically based, and they just went straight from the throat pretty much from here on out. Step Up off this album discusses free world trade, Juggernauts, one of their biggest songs of their career is commentary on kind of the way the government, that government policies are, are continually ruining the world. No other band in the scene was sounding like this sonically or thematically. I mean, sure you had like your Thursdays that were taking on a more broader sense of urgency and sense of, you know, social awareness in the world. But the, as far as the sound and what they were tackling lyrically, there was no other band that was doing this. Now, another one of the fun things that Shikari fans have gotten over the years has just been getting completely random Lucy's that aren't tied to an album. Like in 2016, the band dropped a song called Hoodwinker, which opens with basically a beatdown riff and is honestly one of the band's heaviest songs to date. It's not tied to an album. It got included as a bonus track later on, but it's not tied to anything. In 2010, they dropped a song called Destabilize, and that's when I thought, and Shikari was truly going to take over the scene and really blow up over here. The amount of energy that this song has is absolutely unreal. And the video, even though it is just a warehouse performance clip that's become so typical in the scene, it still gets you so fucking amped. And there's something special about 
everything this band did, but there was something special about the energy that was conveyed through this song and the video. The breakdown where Roof screams, we need to fucking erupt, makes you just want to go overthrow an empire. So eventually, the Common Dread cycle gave way to a flash flood in color, and that saw the band signed to Hopeless Records over here in the States. Personally, I've never felt like Hopeless has done a very good job of pushing them over here, Unfortunately, they kind of inherited a ship that was already behind in North America, you know, in their defense by the time they signed the deal, as opposed to a band like Bring Me the Horizon, who I think people actually forget aren't from the States. By the time Epitaph signed them over here, they hadn't really generated enough buzz that to where the ship needed to be correct, recorrected in any, in any way. They they just dropped the right album at the right time, which was Suicide Season, and just blew up over here. Unfortunately, with Enter Shikari, they got their hype built up, and then they tried to happen over here, and the, the, the connect just never ended up happening. So a flash flood in color gave the band their most successful chart debuts for an album in the U.S. and around the world, charting in eight different countries. And while it only hit number 66 on the top 200 here, it debuted at number four in the U.K. So this, along with Common Dreads, are certified silver in the U.K. and Take to the Skies is gold. Color also personally has some of my favorite Shikari deep cuts of all time. I highly recommend checking out Stalemate, Warm Smiles, Do Not Make You Welcome Here, and Constellations. They're all on the playlist that I'm going to keep updating every week. So 2015, moving forward after Color, which was a huge cycle for them, gave us the minesweep, and the band continued pushing the envelope here. Songs like anesthetist which is about how fucked up the healthcare system is show how much the band's songwriting has progressed over the years and they're still incorporating just as much electronics and their rock foundation as their early material but they're delivering it in different ways there's a lyric in the song that says you will not profit off our health and that's resonated with me personally and existentially since this song has came out there's just something about this band that speaks volumes and a way that other scene bands just never got to. The Last Garrison is hands down one of the best songs Enter Shikari has ever written. The contrast between these soothing verses and the tension of the pre-chorus that explodes into this anthemic hook is just absolutely bar none. I feel like this album has already gotten overlooked in the band's history, and it really is a shame. I, if, if you're a Shikari fan, even if you're not, if this is your first time listening to, the, to them, I highly, highly, highly recommend this album. It is a great listen front to back. It's not necessarily reflective of the band's entire career and all of the sounds that they have to offer, but it is a very progressive look, and it's a new approach to the 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 shikari formula so to speak so the band released what was their fifth album the spark in 2017 and this is probably the furthest departure the band ever went from their core sound if they even have one there isn't really a heavy like metal centered moment on this album rue said before the album came out and really before that they had started writing in it he had developed an anxiety disorder following brexit and donald trump being elected president in the states songs like undercover agent and live outside are kind of serve as these beacons of hope with some of the most massive hooks that 
this band has ever written. Rabble Rouser on this record sonically kind of feels like a sequel to Gandhi Make Gandhi, which is off Flash Flood and Color. This album was a reaction to the state of the world at that time, and you can hear it in every note. But fast forward to the current day, Enter Shikari just released their sixth album, Nothing is True and Everything is Possible. This LP is in its purest form, a conglomerate of the band's entire career. You can pick out moments and tie it directly back to every album they've ever released before it. It's aggressive on songs like The Great Unknown and Tina, and anthemic on songs like Satellite and The King, and Existential on Walting Off the Face of the Earth Parts 1 and 2. The composition in production is larger than life, and it's like it's a true amalgamation of exactly what Enter Shikari is. And if I could just add that The Dreamer's Hotel is the best hook that this band has ever written. That will get stuck in your head for the rest of your life. So all of this to say, 17 years in, these dudes are one, still together. Two, creating some of the best music of their career now. And three, they're still evolving. And yet somehow they're constantly left out of conversations about the scene, both current and retrospective. This band played Alexandra Palace in 2017. That's over a 10,000 cap venue. They have four number one singles on the UK rock chart and 14 top tens. They've had 14 songs on the general UK chart, which is essentially the equivalent to our top 40 chart over here. Their highest single, Anything Can Happen in the Next Half an Hour, peaked at number 27, and Juggernauts peaked at number 28. And I haven't even been able to find out much information about how valid this is, but both NME and Rocksound have referenced that Enter Shikari set the world record for most crowd surfers during a performance in 2000 in, at the 2009 Reading Festival. And if you haven't seen this video, it is truly an incredible sight. I've put it up on our Twitter. It, it, I've never seen anything like this. There is so many fucking people and there's so many bodies and apparently they counted each crowd surfer when they exited through the security line as they were uh, getting out in front of the stage. So that counted as one crowd surfer. I don't need, I don't I couldn't find an actual number, but on the Wikipedia page for crowd surfing, they it references that this is the record and there are multiple, you know, major outlets that have referenced that they hold the record as well, but this band is massive and nobody realizes that. And combine that with their musicianship, the grassroots foundation that they've built their entire band and aesthetic and, and existence around and their want for just a better world for all, make them the most underrated scene band of all time. I'm gonna end this dive with some lyrics to their song Constellations that I mentioned before and they kind of sum up how special Enter Shikari is and just give some perspective on what's going on right now in the world. In the song, Rue says, there's a train at 12, destination disaster. It's running on time as time runs faster. On platform two, it's destination sustainability. It's delayed though, it was supposed to arrive at 11.50. Platform one, it says stand behind the yellow line, but I sit on the platform edge and just gaze at the time. My mind wanders back to our oblivious existence. I'm all choked up now with a thread of distance. As the train bound for disaster chokes up to the station, I don't board it because I decide it's the wrong destination. But the train bound for sustainability is nowhere to be seen, and I'm so lost. 
And then I realized that we need to use our own two feet to walk these tracks. And we have to squat up and we have to watch each other's backs. With forgiveness as our torch and imagination our sword, we'll untie the ropes of hate and slash open the minds of the board. And we'll start a world so equal and free, every inch of this earth is yours, all the land and all the sea. Imagine no restrictions but the climate and the weather, then we could explore space together forever. Thank you so much for listening this week. Next week, we have a new Dance Gavin Dance album, and like I said, most likely the first number one Falling in Reverse single. If you have any questions for the show, email me at notetoscene at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Note to Scene on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please, please drop a review on iTunes. I'd very much appreciate it. Until next week, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.